and gentlemen, welcome back to Podcast Room 303. I'm your host, Shemaine Clone Mendez. This is my co-host, Nicholas Morhan. And as always, we have with us EPE. This is episode 116. And boy, do we not have a lot for you. First, let's start with this. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be another drunk episode. Ah, delicious. We'll be discussing the Stanley Cup Finals. If you lived under a rock, the series was decided yesterday. We may or may not have good news. We'll be doing pop culture pick them, top five sports, non-athletes you'd want to have a, have a beer with. I know we're running out of ideas. <laughs> and, and we'll get into baseball and UFC 276. With that being said, let's check in with EPE. Oh, you you switching it up, trying to throw me off. I feel it. I like it. Now I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, you actually did throw me off. Now I'm lost. I have nothing to talk about. But um, <laughs> it is a shock. I wasn't expecting it. Now I'm now I'm flustered, and this whole episode is going to go downhill from here for me. So appreciate that, brother. If you guys can see him right now, he's a completely different shade of red. Am it's I? Pretty, it's pretty impressive. So the reason why I did this, Eric, is because now we get to keep Nick in purgatory for at least another two minutes, and he's literally chomping on the fork. That's not figure. That's not a figurative statement, ladies and gentlemen. To get to what he wants to say, and he knows exactly what I'm doing. So now I'm just going to filibuster this situation, right? <laughs> Before we get any further, and I have a question for you guys. I have a question that I earmarked. Two weeks ago, in preparation of what was decided in the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> and so, did you guys know that if we forced every single person in the world to fight each other in a worldwide tournament setup, in brackets consisting of 1v1 fights until a worldwide champion was decided, you would only need to win 33 fights? Wait, hold on. Run that, run that past me again. Exactly why I saved it for this. So if we ran a tournament, right? Picture me. I'm fucking Shang Sun. I'm bringing everyone in for Mortal Kombat. Right. And it's a tournament bracket style consisting of 1v1 fights. To until, the death. Until we make it to the death. It doesn't really matter. Until one worldwide champion is crowned you would only need to win 33 fights and some of those are going to be like old people and babies right yes because it's 7.7 billion people so you could be fought you could end up fighting 13 geriatrics 12 toddlers and seven erics oh wow that's (laughs) easy road and then you fight me in the championship you have one tough opponent. So I want to ask you, before we get into anything we have set for this podcast, how far do you realistically think you can get into this tournament before you are eliminated? So we're, we're, we're not doing like it's – not, it's not like regions, right? No. It it's is. like I, I, you hit the randomize on, on one of 7.7 billion. Exactly. You have to I'm, fight whoever you draw. I'm moving past 20 rounds for sure. 20 rounds. 
20 rounds. Strong choice. Strong choice. Because, I mean, think about it. You can fight some of those pink or blue-haired liberals. You can fight some of the, some of those cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs 78-year-old Republicans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can get a pretty good draw. All right, Eric. So Nick has 20. And we've seen you two stand next to each other. So, <laughs> so what? amount of fights do you think you could win in a worldwide tournament? I'd say I, I got at least 10 to 15 in me, but I could easily see myself being the champion. Okay. I mean, that's the attitude you have to go. You have but to 10, have 10 to 15 for sure. Cause I think like the first three would be babies. So I'll just, those are one punch and done. And then, you know, hopefully I get a couple females so we can just knock those out real quick. And then once I run up with, like, a real opponent, you know, then I think, you know, I might have some struggles. But the shitty thing is my, my first roll of the dice, I can get fucking Mike Tyson or some crazy shit and be dead in 30 seconds. So, but I want to say 10 to 15. I mean, but the odds of drawing Mike Tyson of 7.7 billion people. No, but don't, I mean, we have to think about it like this. Like, there's all those crazy monks that, like, they can, like, levitate and shit and they know all the crazy martial arts. <laughs> There's like psychos and shit. Like it's not just like. Oh, you can levitate, Eric. <laughs> I, I, I've you seen it. Bro. Chris Angel. No, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, bro. They're like jumping on leaves and flying through the air, bro. It's real. How is levitating gonna beat you? <laughs> I'm just saying those those people are trained in the martial arts, bro. You know how many kids train at UFC gyms and stuff? It's not. I think it'd be like harder to get through it than people think. They. All right. So all right. So so I just I just did the math, right? And my, my, if I said I make 20 rounds, my 21st round, I'm going one. I've, I have my odds are now down to 6,600 people. Yeah. Aaron, what did you say? I'd say 10 to 15. 15. 15. 15. Yeah. They're not back to back, right? Because I am fat and out of shape. So if it's back to back, I don't know if I can. No, you have to get through the whole bracket before it comes back to you. All right. Yeah, we're good. 10 to 15 then. 15. What do you think? What, what's, what's, so what's your answer then, Jermaine? Oh, I always abstain from these questions. I just, uh, well, Eric, I Eric, you have to fight your your fifteenth your your sixteenth fight. You'll be you'll be uh, randomizing out of two hundred thirteen thousand people. I dude, I think twenty is a very easy and achievable number. I thought that was modest, just because. The odds of 6,600 people legitimately being the killers, like, is is not very good. Because there's going to be a lot of killers going against each other. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you, you got to hope, right? <laughs> you, could, you could proverbially just get the best draw ever. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like in Germany's World Cups, you know, they don't face any real opponents and then they get a championship. It's that same kind of, you know, energy. So I, I think 20 is pretty pretty achievable, but it's all draw dependent. Like Could you imagine somebody having the audacity saying you got an easy draw in a fight against the whole world? <laughs> so it would be like, yeah, dude, it, but it wasn't legitimate. <laughs> like 20 minutes, 33 rounds were against babies. You're like, it was the whole world. <laughs> I beat everyone. Yeah. Last man standing. No, I think those are fair answers. Do I think I could win? Yeah, but I need a lot of luck on my side. So based off of that question, because I've always been curious about this, and especially with you two, 
let's say the United States did have a purge like the movies. One, are you participating? Two, are you surviving? Surviving, yes. Participating, no. Exactly. This this is the very, what they tell you. E- even in like, all right, so I'll, I'll start with like the most ridiculous of things, right? Uh, in a zombie apocalypse, right? They tell you to, in the first couple of weeks, stay where you're at. Don't move. Just stay where you're at and just scrounge where you're at. If you're at, hopefully you're at like an apartment complex or hopefully you have some food to last you a week or two weeks. It may not be good. It may, you know, you, know, you, you go, don't go outside your radius, right? They tell you in a nuclear disaster, don't go outside, right? Don't go outside for like two to three weeks. It, it, it's, it's the same thing. Like I'm not going out and purging people, but I'm, I'm, I'm hunkering down in my house. Yeah, if the purge is real, I have prepped. I guarantee that. And I'm not I'm not getting wrecked. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not going outside to get wrecked. I have prepped and I'm ready to go. I'm not getting caught off guard. There's no I way. mean, once a year, if the purge is real, once a year, I'm flying to our purge house in San Diego and we're surviving it together. 100%. Here's, I, I here's, think we're, we're going to game the whole time. We'll be there behind our steel doors, just gaming. I think it's when people are like, yeah, I wish there was a purge. I'm like, I don't, and I definitely wouldn't be involved because if you don't get involved, you can't get killed. You know what I mean? Like if you lock yourself up, well, steel windows, true. steel doors. Uh, listen, listen. You can still how, die. How, yeah. many, how, how many zombie apocalypse, apocalypse shows have you seen where like they happen upon a farm and there's like a bunch of food and a bunch of weapons. And they're like, Oh, must've been a prepper's house. The dudes that always prepare for this stuff are never always prepared for it because you like when disaster strikes, you have to be ready to like have a plan, but then be ready for that plan to completely change and be like, Oh, 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 I guess we're going on the road now. So there's 26 letters in the English alphabet. You need about, uh, 7,000 alternative plans. <laughs> There's no direct correlation between the 26 letters. I just wanted to say that. So you need an Alpha Alpha, a Zulu Zulu, a Zulu Alpha, a Yankee X-Ray, a Mike November, a Mike Zulu. You need all those plans in order to survive this shit. And plus, they sound super cool, you Sam. Yeah, exactly, dude. Oh, Mike X-Ray, and I just fucking give you the finger wave, and all of a sudden three dudes are executing cross-corner shootouts on people, and they don't even know what's happening? Yeah. Yeah, 100%, dude. All of a sudden I cut a rope, and an anvil falls like Looney Tunes. <laughs> you know I'm having that, bro. It's the fucking purge. <laughs> you imagine if you're just, like, so good at traps, you go, like, Home Alone style on people? Bro, bro the best part is, is when the anvil hits and crushes this human being, I'm just going to go, bonk. <laughs> <laughs> the anvil's going to come attached to a Bluetooth speaker, then just going to go, bonk. <laughs> bonk. It's just me being obnoxious about it. 100%. All right, so now that we've got these uh, hypothetical situa- situations out of the way, which were very important. We needed to discuss them, ladies and gentlemen. I'm now going to check in with my co-host, Nicholas Moran. How are you doing this evening, Nick? Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, had a good weekend. Uh, went to visit some friends and family. Uh, came back, had a good day at work. Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing really happened. All right, tight. So yeah. with that being said, 
let's go ahead and get into the pop culture pick em. <laughs> uh I don't I didn't see the order today. Oh shit, am I first? No, it's Eric. no, no, it's me. Oh wait, just one more thing. One of my teams is a national champion. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh so okay, let me ask you this. Uh, congrats, first of all, congratulations. Let's get that out of there. We're, we're all very happy for you. The, the podcast actively rooted for you. Correct. Uh, a, as a Blackhawks fan and whooping that lightning ass in 2015, I know the feeling that you have <laughs> right now. So yeah. I definitely rooted for you because I don't like the lightning just based on that. I respect them. I think they're a great fucking team, but I don't like them because we face each other in the finals and I'll right. you know, forever be a mortal enemy. Right. Um, with that being said, I had a follow-up, I promise, but it just escaped me. Um, what was your exact feeling, like, when buzzer sounded? Uh, well, I mean, bless my roommates, or bless the people in my apartment complex here, because I screamed loud, I yelled loud, uh, probably with a lot of obscenities. Um uh yeah i mean i like it, it it was it was literally it's literally just as and i, I talked so I, I was in colorado this weekend and I, and I talked with a bunch of friends and family out there including uh senior executive producer in nevada Putnam, and really like we came to like the the conclusion that like growing up in denver was awesome i lived in denver for 15 years it was awesome like the broncos won two super bowls while we were there the Avs won two stanley cups while we were there and the rockies won how many the rockies were the Rockies, and the rockies were a fun thing to do in the summer <laughs> right <laughs> you, so s- it, you ski in the winter you watch the rockies lose in the summer bro it's that's just what, what you do it's, it's just what as colorado as, as colorado as a tale as old as time and then when the Panthers went in 2004, really since then, and the Rockies went in 2007, really since then, my team has not been in a championship besides the Panthers in 2015. So it's kind of been like growing up, it just seemed like titles grew on trees living in Denver. And then for now, 20 years, not to get one, it's kind of been like, okay, it makes that moment, it makes a moment special again. And especially as an adult, when you have money to go out to Colorado, I wish they would have won in game five because I was at the game in game five, but the abs have not won. The abs have not clinched a home playoff series since 2008. So I guess we'll have to wait until next year to get that. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll cover the NHL definitely way more, um, obviously later in the podcast in the interim, I do want to do this real quick. Bear with me one second, ladies and gentlemen. So that's all right. We'll allow, we'll allow being sued just for this one moment, right? All right, so for those of you who don't know, that has been the long-loved Colorado Avalanche 
I guess theme songs the word you want to use here, right? Yeah, they, they play it in the third period with about, you know, five minutes left when the abs are winning. And the only thing I wanted for Christmas was to hear that in game five of the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, good thing it's but... good thing it's July. You can you can pivot to what your next uh, Christmas gift will be. That's true. <laughs> Since you did not get that. That's true. Uh, <laughs> all right, so congr- for, lastly, congratulations again. It's a big deal to win the Lord Stanley's Cup. What a sick trophy, by the way. Also, the Conn Smythe, sick fucking trophy. Um, most of every other league needs to get their trophy game together. It's it's aside from maybe like the World Cup, because you know they always make it specific to the host country and stuff like that. Um, you know, trophies are kind of lame. Like the NFL trophy is iconic, but it's kind of lame. The NBA trophy is kind of lame. <laughs> like uh, base, baseball, baseball probably rounds out the the podium of sports trophies. The World Series trophy is pretty cool. I guess it. I don't really care for the thirty flags flying. It's just. Oh well. I mean, I get it. The pennant, blah blah blah, but that's not. It's not cool to me. Like, you know how many teams have those triangle flags? Literally every sports team has those triangle flags. So every time I look at the World Series, I was like, yo, that was cool when you first created it, but it needs it needs a revamp. So the NBA then? No, to round it out, probably UCL. That's true, yeah. UCL has that just big, iconic look. You know what I mean? With the handles and in the tassels <laughs> right <laughs> but i i think it i just think the ucl is better than the other ones i'm not saying it's that great i'm not gonna sit here and like fight people over how cool that trophy is but yeah I, um i guess in general trophies really aren't that cool maybe yeah. uh may, maybe rounding out the top three is the geller cup trophy What's the Geller Cup? Ridiculous, dude. From Friends? Oh, I know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> would you – Would you? Are, as an athlete, you prefer the ring, right? Like, that's what matters most to you is getting that fat fucking ring on your finger. No. No? You want the trophy? Yeah, no, 100%. I don't really care for either. It's the moment. Oh, okay. So I, so, so I have a question for you guys before we start pop culture pickup. It's going to so, – so the NBA draft – uh was this last uh was this last week between shows the number one pick pablo branchero i think is his name we eric and i still don't know how to say his name i'm gonna say pablo branchero and that's probably wrong and don't at me haters because he's a dookie and fuck dude but he was asked on the red carpet before he was picked number one would you Take in a career 10 all star games, 10 all star game appearances, and no rings, or two rings and no all star game appearances. So we'll start with you, Eric. Where do you take it? All the rings. Fuck being an all star. Okay. Look, dude, there's only one right answer here. Fuck a fan vote. Fuck a league vote. Fuck a coach. 
I want my name etched in the history books as one of 15 men to hoist a trophy through a 98-game season, right? At minimum, it's 98 games because you have to get 16 victories. That's what I want. And this question stems from, you know, somebody on Twitter probably posed the question. And I'll I'll pose it the real way because whoever asked the question posed it, you know, much more non-committal. No, 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 no. I'm going to pose it this way. Would you rather have Carmelo Anthony's career or Andre Iguodala's career? That's where this whole conversation stemmed from. Right. Pablo, Pablo Banchero, by the way, the number one draft pick of the Orlando Magic said that he wants 10 all-star games and no ring. If you're a fan of that team, you're pissed the fuck off. Because you know he's because you know he's just gonna go the way of good Orlando. Uh, if he turns out to be a good player, he's just gonna go the way of good Orlando Magic players, and we he won't be in Orlando Orlando Magic uh, gear in his next contract. Yeah, one hundred percent. What blows my mind is that the the answer is essentially, you know, boiled down to to its most the most minutia of it all is is. Would you rather team success or individual success? And I want to know that I contributed to a collective greater good. Vice, I don't care. I got mine. I booked my 20 and 10. Who cares if I won? Yo, give me that Robert Ory career all day long. Ron Harper is one of my all-time favorite players. People probably don't know who the fuck Ron Harper is. But you know who knows who the fuck Ron Harper is? Ron Harper's trophy room. Yeah, or everyone who's an actual fucking NBA stat. Shout out his five fucking rings with the Bulls <laughs> and Lakers. The dads, the dads in Ron Harper's uh, in Ron Harper's neighborhood play poker at Ron Harper's house. One hundred percent. The dads in Ron Harper's neighborhood bring Ron Harper pie. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, like, like, yeah, yeah, you don't get 10 All-Star game nods, but, like, I guarantee you Andre Iguodala's basement looks a lot cooler. Andre Iguodala's man room looks a lot cooler than Carmelo Anthony's man room. Yes. And that's no disrespect to Carmelo. Carmelo is a fantastic ball player. But there's, there's levels to this shit. There's a reason why people debate LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, Bird, Shaq, Wilt, Bill, Kareem, and you you have to split hairs to measure greatness. Guess whose hairs you don't have to split? Carmelo. Sure, top 75. I think Carmelo personally is a top 75 player. But I don't want that career. And you know what? Actually, maybe Melo isn't even top 75. So why the fuck would I want that career? I just, I don't understand it. And I did say this. I, I said, it is an age of me, right? Social media is all about me. You know, going out and broadcasting your life is all about me. Look what I can do. Look what I have. Look what I did. Look what this is. Look how that is. Bet you haven't seen this. Bet you didn't know this. Bet you didn't have that. And that was the answer you got. So that's, 
I'm not knocking the kid. And here's the thing. He can deliver the Orlando Magic a championship and shut this all up. And it doesn't even fucking matter. He's fucking, what, is he even 21 years old? Not no, he turns old. 19. He turns 19 yeah. before so he, yeah. He's 19 years old. I don't think he's going to say the same answer in two to three years. But so in, in that moment, I just didn't agree with it. He ain't going to say the same answer in 30. I can guarantee you that. Mm-mm. Let me ask if, you he this. Plays, if he plays 10 years in the league and he ain't got no ships, he's going to be like, yo, <laughs> yo, yo. Fuck, yo, fuck these dead all-star game appearances. He's going to be like, yo, LeBron, what team you own? <laughs> yo, yo. So how long, how long has, Car- has Carmelo been ring chasing? 19 years? No. Well, no, no I mean, like no. the last six? Minimum, yeah, the last six. Before that, he – he in, in Denver, he – dude, Carmelo was a fucking – Haas in Denver. People don't get, doesn't doesn't get enough respect. Um, but he went up against Kobe and Tim Duncan. Like, what the fuck was Carmelo supposed to do? They gave him old ass Andre Miller, old ass Marcus Camby, old ass Allen Iverson. You know what I mean? Like, young Iverson and Carmelo. Ain't nobody want to face that team. No chance. But AI AI was just slightly past his prime and just couldn't get it done. And it's it was fucking devastating. And then he went to the Knicks, hometown, chased the bag, even though 87 million teams were trying to offer him that same contract. And, you know, and the rest is history. And now he's just like, fuck, I thought teaming with LeBron would give me a chip, and I didn't even make the playoffs. <laughs> Eric, do me a favor. Ask your question, and then Google how many playoff games Carmelo Anthony has. So I just – just from a standpoint as a fan, if you see that kid – and it's Pablo Boncaro, by the way. I looked it up. Boncaro. Yeah, but as a fan, do you sort of appreciate the the foolish – you know, foolish honesty that he did oh. compared to the guys that will be there and be like, yeah, I'm all, I want to win championships, and they're just money chasing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, kind of just – he shouldn't have said it because you want to give the right impression, but he's, at least he's not lying to the organization. Well, then oh. the, the magic should be ashamed because that's a question that should have been asked in during the fucking interview process. Look, I will excuse it on one fact. He is young. When I was young, I was dumb, right? And that's the only way I'll excuse it. But if I was a fan of the Orlando magic, I already think in my head and in my heart that they blew the pick. You think Holgren? No, I mean, I'm not saying I know which pick to take, but based on that one answer, I'm not thrilled. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not no, thrilled not. at all. Uh, Carmelo yeah. has 77 playoff games. No. He I has made it out of the first round twice. Hold on, hold on. Eric said 83. What year 83? is your what year is your article, Nick? I mean, I'm on Basketball Reference, so that seems pretty. Oh, okay. I'm on StatMuse. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Eric, we're, we're both right. Carmel has 83 games, 77 starts. Ah, okay. He is okay. 28 and 55 in his, eight, in his 83 games. Hold on. Holy shit. What's that record again? Well, I mean, and fifty-five. He has made it out of the second round. Yeah. He's made it out of the first round twice. 
Yeah, that actually that's not that shocking once you say what once I realized you had already said he made it out of the first round twice. 2009 and 2013 are the only two years that Carmelo Anthony has made it out of the first round of the playoffs. Are those both with the Knicks? No. 2009 was with Denver with AI, and then the other one was with the Knicks, yes. Jesus, Carmelo. He has never been. I believe he has uh, He has never been to a conference final. Well, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, 2009 conference final. Where he took the Lakers to six games. That was without prime AI, man. I'm telling you, if AI was on that Denver team – a few years earlier, oh, dude, I remember watching that. Dev- that Denver team was so good. Nene Hilario, Marcus Canby, Andre Miller, Earl Boinkins, the- Carmelo Anthony, Allen Iverson. Oh, man, that team was so good. But they were, like, put together two and a half years too late. Didn't they have Birdman before the oh, tattoos? Yeah, Chris Anderson. Chris Anderson. Um and Eric shared this. Carmelo has uh, 23.1 points, 6.7 rebounds, and 2.5 assists in, 8. 80, in 83 games in his playoff career. So, um, man, it's definitely Andre Iguodala, bro. Yeah. That, fi- that finals MVP, those, those, what is it now? He has four fucking trophies? So, just in reference <clears> – <throat> Uh, Andre Iguodala has played in 173 playoff games. <laughs> and he's averaged points per game. <laughs> he's averaged 9.4 points per game, 4.4 rebounds, 3.5 assists, and 1.2 steals in 177 games. But three cha- four championships? Four championships. Four championships. He's won yeah. every time with the Warriors, yeah. That is mean- it. And that's what's so funny is, like, if you go look at the year Andre Iguodala won finals MVP, his statistics weren't shit. That was 15, right? Yeah, that was the first championship when he won finals MVP. That was before KD got there. So his statistics weren't that great. His impact on the overall game was. And and it's funny because – the people who praise Iguodala because he has the finals MVP are the same people who disparage Draymond Green as triple single. <laughs> even, though, even though both players are, have the same impact on winning, and you could argue, you know, Andre got older that Draymond has had more impact on the winning. So, so the year that they won, he averaged 10.4 points, 4.5 assists, or rebounds, 3.6 assists, 1.2 steals, but his plus minus was 69 for the season. Nice. Exactly. That <laughs> exactly. Nice. That's exactly <laughs> what I tell people all the time. Like the reason why Andre Iguodala's finals MVP and the reason why Draymond Green is a top 10 defensive player all time. And the reason why Draymond Green is a top 75 player of all time is their impact on the game. You can impact games without statistics. You see it all the time. Kyle Lowry is a charge-drawing machine. Kyle Lowry also ranks top 30 in triple-doubles in his career. Just for reference, Carmelo's highest plus-minus in all the times that he made the playoffs was plus 13. For a series. 
for his, for playoff uh, when it was his last year in Denver. For a series, though, right? Plus 13. Or for that, the for entire playoffs. That entire playoff year, yeah. So Eagle Dollars plus 69 was for the entire playoffs or just the finals? The entire playoffs. These stats uh, are for the entire playoffs. Yeah, okay. but but Eagle Dollar actually has had better player fi- or plus minuses in the championships that came after that one, which is crazy. But Kevin yeah. Durant was there, so. He also played less minutes. You know what I mean? It's easier yeah. to have a better plus minus when you play less minutes. See Matisse Thibel. <laughs> Eric feels like I took a shot at him, dude. He's ready, he ready to square up, bro. What are you talking about? You have James Harden. Look, we can we can I'll trade James Harden for somebody that has gives me a plus sixty nine, plus minus ten points, four rebounds and a championship. I'll trade that all day, every day. I heard I heard uh Dewante Murray's on the trade block. Yeah, we're not gonna get him. Really? Because uh Atlanta's probably gonna close the deal without trading John Collins to the to the Spurs. That's disgusting. <laughs> no, Jutet Atlanta squad is gonna move Danilo plus picks for DeWante Murray. DeJounte is literally I've been screaming this dude's name from the mountaintops. I think he's Got the brightest future ahead of him out of all these guards in the league. But I digress. We're, we don't – I'm already – look, you got me all flustered and shit. <laughs> Fuck Daryl Morey, bro. And his fucking love for fucking players that he drafted in 1946. He fucking cocksucker. Actually, he did not draft. He traded for Whatever, uh, Darryl, dude. All, he do, all he's doing is recycling players that were on the Rockets teams that never won a fucking championship. I know. That's what I told you. <laughs> I'm the, yeah, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker. Who was the other one? He, he, they're giving uh, they're giving PJ Tucker a three year, thirty million dollar contract. Wow. Does he even have three years left? I saw the dude shaking knees running up the court for Miami. I I, I think he has at least a year and a half. <laughs> like, and you guys got the Anthony Melton, bro. Why are you upset? Why don't you just read what you're trying to show me, dude? John Wall signs with the Clippers. Yo, but man. That's not- wait, who said? Wait, who said the Clippers are going to the? We're uh, going to the uh, finals next year. That's your crazy, boy, dude. Your boy Skinny Penis said it, dog. Uh, dude. <laughs> Yo, that's. I've I've been saying your boy Skinny Penis a lot just because it's a fucking hysterical sentence. I don't remember where I heard it. But every time I say it, you're on Vine. Is that what it's from? It's from Vine, correct. That shit kills me every time, bro. Every it's time. Your boy, young skinny penis. We're 35 minutes into the show. Let's get to the pop culture pickup. All right, Eric, go. Uh, Do we already talk about what it is? Speed round. <laughs> Speed round. <laughs> All right, so sports industry people you want to kick it with, non athletes. I think for me, number one, I'm not going to lie. It's Phil Jackson. Just because I'd love to like smoke a joint with him and just talk about life and philosophy and shit. Yeah, I mean, that's a great choice. I'm taking Theo Epstein. Love it. That's a great choice. Uh, It's got to be Michael Jordan for me. No, 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 no. Non-athlete. Oh, you're taking... Technically, he's an owner, so we got to let it slide. Michael Jordan, that's... I'm taking the owner, Michael Jordan. And if the conversation hopes, if the conversation moves into his playing days, who am I? Who am I to change the conversation? That's a terrible pick. Michael Jordan as an owner is terrible, bro. Uh, 
and then I I'll take uh I'm kind of on kind of on the uh the side of Jermaine. I Billy Bean. I would love to talk to Billy Bean. He's 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 like gone through cycles of that Oakland A's team, and I don't think his payroll has changed really that much. <laughs> and then he's still getting them to championships. Somehow, some way, Billy Bean does it again. All right, so you got Billy Bean. I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Golden State Warriors general manager Bob Myers. That's a good, yeah. Yeah, we got to ask him how he resurrected Stephen Curry from the dead. Uh, he he convinced his owner to pay a bunch of money to his human performance team that rebuilt Steph Curry's ankles by readjusting his hips. And he realigned his entire skeletal posture so that way he wouldn't sprain his ankles as much. So he built from the middle of his body and strengthened his core and his back and then therefore strengthened his hips, which strengthened his knees, which strengthened his ankles. There's You're no motion, are you? I'm not. Uh, oh, and they damn. also invested a bunch of money into those uh, those ankle guards that he wears, are like designed specifically for him. Like they invested a shit ton of money in this dude, and it paid off. See the initial comment. They invested a, they <laughs> invested a fuck ton into their human performance section. Yeah. Which is when the Baltimore Ravens, which a lot of people don't know, when the Baltimore Ravens cemented that 2001 championship, I believe it's 2001, maybe it was 2000. Um, with Trent Dilfer as their quarterback, they Ooh, pioneered, first quarterback in Super Bowl history. <laughs> they pioneered. They pioneered such a holistic and crucial human, legal defense, human performance aspect, and legal defense. That's actually correct. <laughs> uh, that came that, after the Super Bowl. Sorry. That the the SEAL teams for the United States military stole that ex human performance team and moved them into their sector and started building their human performance because they realized they were losing so much money to injuries on these investments. You know, for lack of a better term, what the SEAL teams were are. So That's crazy. It's it's fucking fascinating, and this is why I always say a good owner will spend money, which is why the Los Angeles Chargers always crack me up because. You know, the only team in NFL history to have a no, top, what was it, top 10 defense? Was it number one? It was number one offense, number one defense. Correct. And did not make the playoffs. And Correct. it's because the Los Angeles Chargers, who are now in a legal battle, the, the sister and brother to get control of that team, the Spanos family are in that legal battle. Because they don't spend money into human performance and injuries just crush them always and forever. That's why you can always fade the Chargers and be confident. No matter how good they're going to be, you can fade them and know you will succeed. All right, we'll get into Eric's next next pick now that I've ranted enough. <laughs> uh, with my next pick, I'll probably go with Pat Riley. Just Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's a good pick, dude. And then – I probably shouldn't pick this dude because he's not the one that won us a Super Bowl, but I'd love to have a cheeseburger with Andy Reid, bro. I love that man. 14 years of his life in Philly. You won't hear I know any complaints it, from anyone here, dude. We're on your side. We're pro Andy Reid on this podcast. We're, yeah. we're, and first we're, of all, no, you're not getting a cheeseburger. You're getting his legendary cheese dip. True. You're going to his house and Andy Reid's cooking for you. It's going to be one of the cheesiest meals of your life. Pro Andy Reid Anti-Andy Reid's son. That's what this podcast stance is. <laughs> Big time. 
My next pick is going to be general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, Sam Presti. As if you couldn't tell, I'm just picking people who I admire. <laughs> so, uh, my third pick is is Joe Sackick, the GM for the Abs. I, I just have so much respect for him as a player, and I have so much respect for him as a GM. I, I would just. I feel I feel like we could just literally sit around and talk Colorado hockey for just for hours. Yeah, his uh his post uh post cup interview um was outstanding, bro. It was it was a cuz you knew he legitimately meant what he was saying. He wasn't just saying the right things, he meant it and he was happy for EJ, he was happy for Landis Gog, right? EJ what is it? Thirteen years on the team. Landeskog, ten years on the team. Like he was happy for the players who didn't get there, and then he was also like, and then we got, you know, uh, my car has a con. Yeah. So there it is. All right, who? What's your next pick, Nick? For fourth pick. Oh, As you man. can tell, our research is better than yours, ladies. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm blanking on the name. Give me, give me some hints. Who's yeah. who's the dude that does? Uh, jo- I I would love to talk to Joe Gibbs, just because racing is so fascinating to me. But I have no idea how it works from like a like management standpoint. Like it, it, it all, it almost seems like they just go out there and race. I want to know like what are the ins and outs of like building a race team, having a competitive race team. I want to talk to Joe Gibbs. Uh, I do want to say this, that this seems like a redundant pick since you have Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan owns a NASCAR team. No, I want to talk to a winning NASCAR team. (laughs) So you want to talk to a losing basketball owner and a winning NASCAR owner. Very interesting strategy, Cotton. All right. Can you look up, is Joe Gibbs even alive still? Yeah, he is. I don't think Joe Gibbs is dead. If he is, then that's he's eighty one. He's alive. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say eighty two. I'm glad I didn't say that because that would have been wrong. All right, so uh, my next pick is going to be Roman Abramovich. Great pick. Uh, former Chelsea Moogle. Yeah, if it goes into business with you know shady countries, then then it does, and you make a couple bucks. I, I was actually so- gonna take that with my first pick, but I didn't want to start any controversy right out the gate with you guys. Uh, why not? Do you always do it? So, I mean, look, he can give me the in and outs of the steel industry. He can give me the in and outs of the Russian military. He can give me the in and outs of winning the UCL. He could probably get me some backdoor channels on how to make some very lucrative money. It seems like a win-win-win for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I'll go ahead and toss it to Eric. What's your next pick, Eric? Uh, my next pick... Um... Just because I, I, I just watched a podcast, uh, the Pivot podcast, and he was on it. And I already loved this dude before, but Mike Tomlin. Uh, that dude is just a smooth cat. Like, he just laid back as fuck. I would just love to kick it with him. Mike Tomlin is tight, bro. I agree. That's a great pick. And then with my last pick, man, it's kind of tough. But hmm. I'm going to go journalist. I'm going to go journalist, and I'm going to go with – I shouldn't say it, but I want to have a conversation with Stephen A. Smith. 
I know we bag on this cat, but I'd love to have a conversation with him. First of all, if you bag on Stephen A, you're a liar, bro. Everyone watches Stephen A. They don't always agree, but you're not supposed to agree with everything that man says. That's crazy. What's the man? What's the dude's name who used to run ESPN? That was my next pick. That was going to be my pick before Roman Abramovich. Oh, is it still Eric's pick? No, no I, it's, I, it's my pick, right? Yeah. What's the dude who used to do? He, him, and his like Cuban dad would do the show. God, I can't. Oh, Levitard, dude. Levitard, and Levitard. Yeah, that dude used to dad, run ESPN like a motherfucker. That's who I want to talk to. Man, Dan Levitard would be – yeah, I'm going to round it out by ending with a non, like, you know, a, a sports media person. Um, he is single-handedly instrumental in earning the National Football League, the National Basketball Association, the Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League. So much fucking money. What people don't realize when they sit there and they curse old media and they praise new media because that's the new hotness to do because you have to listen to everything fucking players say is old media grew the sport into what it is today. These billion dollar franchise deals, these multi-billion dollar television contracts, the 24-7 news cycle, nonstop sports coverage everywhere you go. The athletic, what's uh, Bill Simmons' old old shit? I don't remember his uh, old, old stuff, but you have the undisputed. All these sports media companies are instrumental in making these sports businesses into the multi-billion dollar franchises that they are. And for people who don't know that and don't realize the logistics of the game and how everyone is inundated constantly with information about this. I mean, stop me if, if you haven't read some shit like this. You probably read about your favorite player's injury his return table, right? You read about 53-man rosters. You read about undrafted signings for NBA and NFL. You read about minor league baseball, A, double A, triple A. You read about NHL. You read about the Frozen Four. I mean, this is the reason why they can generate so much revenue and interest at all times is single-handedly in part because of that man. Eric loves him more than me. I'm so I'm shocked he didn't pick him. Uh and Dan Levitard has my utmost respect. He would he had a breakup as most do. Like Mike Gol Mike Golick had a breakup with ESPN recently, I believe it was two years ago. Um you know and Stephen A. Smith is the new guy pushing this agenda. You know, and Stephen A. Smith, you know, has had several high-profile falling outs, um, you know. Pushed- <laughs> Stephen A. Smith just keeps, like, falling out of networks and getting another network to sign him. Like, he, he pushed Skip Bayless out and then said that Skip Bayless was not instrumental in building the show that Stephen A. Smith is on. 
Then he pushed Max Kellerman out and said that Max Kellerman wasn't instrumental in, in building the show. But you listen to the fans and the fans were like, yo, Steven, we want to hear you talk, but we loved hearing those two dudes talk. And so one thing that Dan Levitar didn't do was what Stephen A. Smith does. And that that's one thing that kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth is Stephen A., his ego sometimes get sometimes gets the best of him. And I don't blame him. He's everywhere all the time. People respect him. He's got the money. He's got the bravado. He's got the cachet. He's got the influence. So I think a big difference between Dan and Stephen A., and this is why I love Dan, and not necessarily because of who they are, but look at all the people who gave their chance. Mina Kimes, Izzy Gutierrez, Pablo. Uh, I forget Pablo's last name, but Pablo. Um, he just gave so many people an opportunity, like – he didn't care about your race. He didn't care about your gender. He, didn't care about, he just, can you come on my show? Give me facts and we can have a good conversation. And he gave people opportunities and those people have turned into their own podcasts, their own TV shows. Stephen A is getting rid of people. He wants the attention for himself. I want to have a conversation with Stephen A because I think it'd be a wild time. But I do respect and love Dan Levitard so much more than Stephen A. Smith. You hit that shit on the head, dude. I fucking love Dan Levitard. I'm sad he had a fallen out. I, I, think, I think one of the reasons that people are divided on Dan Levitard too is he like is probably one of the most honest sports broadcasters out there. When he makes a mistake, he owns it. And some people don't like when he says, like when, when he gets hot, he gets hot and he calls people on their BS. And people and some athletes and some media companies don't like when a dude is there making the biggest stars be like, oh, but you said this. Why are you saying this now? Right? And if he makes a mistake, he's very good at being like, look, man, I screwed up. And I, and I made this mistake, right? But he is his radio show is one of the fun is, is one of the like one of the more entertaining shows to listen to. My final pick. Is it my pick? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'll I'll go the same vein, but just a dude that has really never had any dirt on him and everybody seems to love universally. But I would just love to talk to him and just Really not really, like like kind of kind of like pick his brain, but also just kind of let him tell me story time. Dan Patrick. Yeah. I like I love Dan Patrick. He just he seems to be kind of like the Howard Stern of like sports broadcasting. Nobody ever has anything bad to say about Dan Patrick. Everybody loves doing his show. He's been kind of like you know, we talk about Stephen A. Smith and we talk about, you know, Skip Bayless and Max Kellerman and all these networks, right? And, and Colin Cowherd jumped from network to network. It's really just been like Dan Patrick has been the wing of Sirius XM, yeah. a, like the sports wing of Sirius XM for such a long time that he's controlled his own like sports media empire for a very long time. And I, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, but this is how I feel about Dan Patrick. If there's any sports broadcaster or personality that that has like such depth and knowledge of almost sport that he talks about, I can listen to him talk about football. I can listen to him talk about basketball, baseball, like all these other guys. Like Stephen A., we know his bread and butter is. It's basketball. Right. Don't talk about other shit. But I feel like when you listen to Dan Patrick, he, he can go into it with you on almost all the sports that matter. Well, he's, he also, he's also like a, he's like a very, he's almost like a Joe Rogan type-esque interviewer, right? Where like Joe Rogan kind of came after him, but Dan, pa the, the best thing about Dan Patrick, when you listen to him is it's never, 
it's called the Dan Patrick show, but it's never just Dan Patrick talking at you about sports. It's always Dan Patrick asking. He, he has this innate ability, just like Howard Stern, just like Joe Rogan, to ask questions in a way that keeps a guy talking for three hours. And you're like, wow, three hours went by. It's sort of like Room 303, to be honest. <laughs> well done, this professional podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I will say this, that I'm very glad that you picked Dan Patrick. So Dan Patrick, if you haven't looked him up, um, first of all, I mean, you know who he is. Second of all, he was very instrumental in setting up a school known as Full Sail University that has um, taken and pioneered a way to groom the next talent to come into media, show them how to speak for broadcast, you know, color commentate, things of that style of nature, right? That very outgoing um, news reporter kind of role. And then he also has another like online thing. And uh, I don't remember the name of the school, but it's like Dan Pat. It's not really called that, but it's like Dan Patrick's school of media. But uh, Dan Patrick, where Dan Levitard took reporters who had already paid a little bit of their dues and then put them on. Dan Patrick is helping build replacements for those reporters and those journalists. And, you know, you know, for the Jackie Max, for the Woody pages, you know, for the older aging out journalists who are eventually going to retire. Uh, he's been setting up and being very, very instrumental uh, in developing this new upcoming talent. So I'm very, very happy that you picked him. I'm glad Eric picked Steve today. We got, we got the three dudes you really want to be around. Right. Yeah. Let's just have a six person dinner in which us three just bring those three guys and we just talk about oh, everything. Bro, we could make a movie of that. I was going to, there's one more guy that I want to give a shout out to just because he was so influential in our childhood as an honorable mention, but you got to put Stuart Scott on there. Rest in peace, brother. Oh, like, yeah. George I, Scott was a fucking legend when I was a kid. I love that man. I, I love him. So my honorable mentions would be uh, Chris Berman. Yeah. Uh, Chris Berman. And then my other honorable mention would be um, – Jesus Christ, I blanked on it. Go ahead and give yours, Nick. My honorable mention? <laughs> yeah. Who's your honorable – do you have an honorable mention? I just want to talk to Cal, Colin Coward so I can tell him much, how much of a buffoon he is. <laughs> that guy is a I just want to challenge that your your takes on Cam Newton were constantly proved wrong, and yet I respect you for constantly adapting them and constantly being wrong. Yeah, he he tried his damnness to bury him, and then he went to the Super Bowl, and then he still buried him, and then he felt vindicated into like the last two or three years. Yep. <laughs> it's fucking mind blowing. So the my pick. And I, so I, I paused because I didn't want to say I was wrestling with two names. The name I wanted was Jerry Krause. I was going to say Jerry Reinsdorf, and that's not, I was just like, that's not right. I, I'm pretty sure it's Krause. Let me double check. But Jerry Krause, right, is very instrumental in building the Chicago Bulls. Without, without Jerry Krause and his singular eye for talent, which is – I why I respect that man. I think I wish he didn't pass away before the uh, 
the Bulls documentary because his perspective and his side of the entire conversation would have been a very refreshing piece to add to that. But, you know, much maligned, but very singular in his approach and developing winning teams. And, you like, look, there's a reason why everyone's just like, damn, the Warriors have won four and eight. Nobody's done that since the Chicago Bulls won six and eight, you know, and that Chicago Bulls team was built by Jerry Krause. And I would love to get him. I didn't pick him because he is deceased. But I think he'd be a fascinating conversation. I want to know I want to know what he looks for when he picks talent. Like, I mean, come on, man. The, the list of players on those Bulls teams that people just know. Yeah, it's a byproduct of a growing national television market because there was more television sets and the cable was much more prominent and ready to develop. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan, largest star, made McDonald's the household name it is, made Coca-Cola the household name it is, made the Olympics the household name it is. That's the impact of Michael Jordan. And I don't feel like a lot of people, you know, realize that like the Olympics were fucking big time. But when the NBA dream team fucking hit and and it was Jordan and the dream team, like the Olympics took a big time shot in the arm and the American market boondoggled the Olympics into something else. So that's why the old heads always snap on you because they that passionate love they have for MJ because he was such an icon. He so. Michael Jordan is, in you know, the cliche is bigger than life. He is bigger than life. He made the sneaker market. Michael Jordan made the sneaker market. You know what I mean? Like Phil Knight, very instrumental. Got a book. A lot of people respect him. He's trying to buy the Trailblazers. I hope he gets it done. Like, I think that'd be fucking tight. But... You know, Michael Jordan made an entire market that is so dominant today, like that computer robots are developed to buy them so they can resell them at double the price. You know what I mean? Like he created that market. Coca-Cola is everywhere. McDonald's is everywhere. I feel like people just don't understand the scope of Michael Jordan at times. And Jerry Krause was very instrumental in that. You know, John Paxson, Steve Kerr, Horace Grant, Dennis Rodman trade, drafted Scottie Pippen. I mean, he had Ron Harper on those teams. Like, those teams are fucking stacked with talent. Bill Cartwright, from beginning to end of the bench, and that was Jerry Krause, and I would love to have that conversation. Uh, I think I've ranted enough about Jerry Krause. Obviously, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, wearing the Bulls shirt. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Bugs Bunny's on top of it. Shout out Space Jam. Uh, not the second one, the first one. <laughs> the second one was god awful. <laughs> the second one was not good, but I very much enjoyed it. Uh, LeBron, uh, not that Michael Jordan was good at acting, but LeBron was. I think he he eased more into it as the movie went along, and it's probably that's how it was filmed. But when he was sitting on the bed with his kid, I was just like, "This is fucking cringe, bro." Uh, you know, but, <laughs> uh, it's neither here nor there. Eric, go ahead and read the list back, and we'll move into the next topic. And uh, All right. next, next, and last to- topic. We're we're gonna wrap, scrap everything else, and just cover the Stanley Cup in in detail. So I had the first pick. I went with Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin, and Stephen A. Smith. 
Um, I should have put Jerry Buss on there, but I didn't. Jermaine had Theo Epstein, Bob Myers, Sam Presti, Roman Abramovich, and Dan Levitard. Nick took MJ, Michael Jordan, Billy Bean, Joe Sackich. I'm assuming I said that right. Joe Sackett. Gibbs and Dan Patrick. Sackett, but yeah. Sackett? Okay, my bad. Who cares? He's an abs player. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me pop another beer before we move in. I'm just going to hand it off to Nick. I, th- I think yeah. after I pop this, I'm just going to hand it off to Nick. I'm sure he's got nuggets. You know, Nick's nuggets often found in the toilet, also found on the podcast. Yeah, so- I mean – yeah, I, we, we talked about it a, a little bit earlier. So this is this is the first Colorado Avs team to win since 2001. Uh, everybody knows their struggles, right? Four straight uh, exits. Can't get past the second round. Uh, they uh, finally uh, made it to the Stanley Cup playoffs, went up two on the Lightning, uh, lost game three. Uh, won game four in dramatic fashion in overtime. Uh, lost game five by the same score that they won uh, game four, and then were able to close it out in game six uh, in Tampa. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think you I think you already mentioned it with the players that have gone into it. I I mean, like this, we 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 talked the entire playoffs. You have to be able to play. You, you know you're not you, – you can get the first two games on Vasilevsky, and that's what you get in terms of goals. After that – oh, my, my fault. It was – this was the fourth year that the Avs were trying to uh, get past the second round. They had, had three straight second-round exits. You know we talked about this on playoffs and what was or, or in, the, in the Stanley Cup preview show. And what was going to be critical is you have to you you get the first two games to dump goals in in on Vasilevsky. He's not too good in the first two games, but in elimination games he turns into a different animal. I believe the stat yesterday was oh well. First of all, I'll say this: the um, Tampa Bay Lightning have now played last last this. Losing this in a Stanley Cup run that they had, which includes this year, even though they didn't win. They have played in 71 games. That is five more than the Chicago, six more than the Chicago Blackhawks from 2013 to 2015. And Vasilevsky has been their goalie every single one. And in elimination games during that run, they were three and up. In games where the Tampa Bay Lightning were going to be eliminated, they were 3-0. That just shows you how good they are. They only played three games in which they were going to be eliminated. This year? In in the whole run. I thought they they had two elimination games against the Rangers. So you're saying Uh, they only had one other one against? I don't think that's true. Maybe Eric can look that up. So, since the start of the 2019-2020 postseason, Vasilevsky and the Lightning have played in 15 games where they had a chance to eliminate an opponent, and he's 10-5 and in those. Are you talking about when they're elimination? No, when they're facing elimination is what we're trying to discuss. Let me get that going. 
while while we get that elimination set, I do want to spotlight something pretty incredible that the Colorado Avalanche did. They had two goalies win six or more games in one playoff run. I don't know if that's impressive. I think that's just – I think that's more uh, – That's you, you talk about defense. I think that's more a credit on, on, on Colorado's defense than it is on Colorado's goaltending. No, that's next man up. You, They literally – like they literally were like, hey, our starting goalie's down. you got to come win us six games to get – come on now. That's impressive. Uh, the backup back goalie, Pablo Francois, by the way, is a six and zero. Was six and zero in the postseason. So Andre Vasilevsky, since twenty twenty, facing elimination, four zero four and zero record, one point seven five goals allowed, and a ninety five percent save rate. <laughs> Incredible! It's fucking insane how good he is in the playoffs, dude. Yeah, and when and when and when facing elimination, he gets even better. Dude, here, so the stat that blew my mind was Nathan McKinnon before game six. I don't know what it is now. 25 shots on goal, one goal. Oh, he's, Nathan, he's, he scored, he scored one, he scored one in, in game six. Yeah, well, so it was it was two after game six, but right. he had he had one goal in 25 shots through the first five games. That's Nathan fucking McKinnon. <laughs> like, there's a reason why everyone thinks he's so fucking good. It's because he is. And he scored two goals in the cup final because Vasty was just – he gave up seven and Nathan McKinnon only had two goals – seven in one game. And Nathan yeah. McKinnon only had two goals for the series. Yeah. One, one, of the, one of the funniest quotes that I've seen come out of the Stanley Cup thing is Nathan McKinnon saying – the drunkest I've been in my life has been at Sidney Crosby's uh, Stanley Cup party. So he better bring that same energy <laughs> to my Stanley Cup party because they yeah. they're from this they're from the same town in in Canada. Yeah, he he started off his first interview saying, "I adore, right? I, I adore uh, Sidney Crosby." And well, this is so- this, this is a really funny thing. If you listen to his interview. They're like, hey, Nate, like, how did you feel coming into like after game five, coming into game six? Like, what, like, somebody skated by him and went 1787. And the reporter was like, what does 1787 mean? And he was like, oh, it was my hotel room when we came to Tampa. And he was like, we just knew we were going to win. And it's just so funny because anybody else would be like, that's dumb. But he's like, I adore Crosby. So we knew we were going to win. So can you, can you explain the 17 for me? Because Sidney Crosby's number is eighty-seven, right? Yes, he is. He his number is eighty-seven. Correct. So then what's the what? Was I don't the think the seventeen mattered. I think it was just eighty-seven that mattered. It was just eighty-seven. Okay, fair enough. That's my initial impression was like eighty-seven. Sidney Crosby got it, but I was just like, "What is, does seventeen also mean?" Something like so. All right, Nick, give us keep giving us your your statisticals, your Nick's nuggets. I'm sure the ladies uh, ask you that all the time. I mean, I don't, I, I, I like, honestly, I, I don't really, I, I don't really have any. I, this was kind of like, this was kind of the first series that like, I, I really got to like, you know, I, I, I watched every game of, of the, that Colorado played in, but I was in Denver from four. Uh, I mean, from the end of three, I, I was in Denver for four and five. So I didn't really focus that much on like the stats and like what was happening. 
I do know that the Colorado Avalanche, I bought tickets to game five. I do know the Colorado Avalanche have not, but I found out later that the Colorado Avalanche have not won a home playoff series since, or clinched a home playoff series uh, or clinched a playoff series at home since 2008. So that was fun uh, to find out. Um, yeah. Uh, Kale, McC- Kale McCarr, 29 points in 20 games. The Avs, the Avs played in, what was it? So the Avs played in two six-game series, a five-game series, and a four-game series, right? 20 so games. That's 21 games. No, they said 20. 20 games? That's even better. Half of their games were come-from-behind wins. The Avs had 10 come-from-behind wins in the postseason. I did see that. it was nine, and then they came back in. You, you in have to think six. That's right. You have to think against the St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche started five of the six games down one nothing, and won and the series against, four two. Against the Lightning, didn't you start the last four games down one nothing? Correct. The Avs did not have a lead. In they did not. They had not had a lead since. The overtime game in game four, right? So they didn't no, because that's not technically a lead. That's just a game winner. So they didn't lead in game four and they didn't lead in game five. And when the Lightning scored, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's the stat. And like since game four, when they won in overtime, they had not had a lead. No, I mean, and if it was, that, it if was, that doesn't count as a lead, then it's, it's a, much a, a, than a Stanley, that. a Stanley Cup. I mean, all, I mean, you have to give for as much talk as there was about how fast Colorado was and, and how like, like how much offensive firepower they had, you have to give credit to their defense. Two shots against Tampa Bay in the third period of game six. One of them being a, one of them being a, a shot from damn near center ice that, that, that Kemper saved. And, and I guess counts as a shot in the NHL. I mean, that is the, that is the definition of, uh, I guess I guess a, a coach's wet dream of park the bus, right? Play defensive hockey, but don't let him shoot. I, you know, I, I can't say enough about this. I I think personally, this is the greatest Avs team I've ever seen. Yeah, I <laughs> look. I I don't know. And, we, if and I, we've talked we've talked about it like crazy on this podcast. I don't know if I will uh, second that. It's it's up there. I mean, you arguably so in my opinion, you have the greatest player in hockey right now. And it's not Nathan McKinnon. It's not Nathan McKinnon, it's Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr is the best player in hockey. It's not close how good this dude is. He is the third player to win the Conn Smythe and the Norris Trophy in NHL history in the same season. And that is Bobby Orr and Nicholas Lindstrom. It's not, they're not very good at hockey. Stop me if you heard those fucking names before. It is insane. I forget the exact stat and what the five trophies were, but the Norris Trophy, the Conn Smythe, the Stanley The Calder Trophy, Memorial and the Hobie Baker. The Calder Memorial, the, the Hobie Baker, and the Stanley Cup. Those right. are the those are the five trophies. Kale McCarr is 23 years old. He is 23 years old, and he's the only player in NHL history to have those five trophies. 
the Hobie Baker, for those of you who don't know, is the top player, the top NCAA hockey player. The Calder Memorial Trophy is uh, the AHL's, yeah, the AHL's trophy. He's the only player in NHL history to have those. The man is 23 years old. There is a reason why when we did our Stanley Cup preview, if you listen to me and put pizza money on what I said. Oh, no, sorry. The Calder Memorial is the rookie of the year. I'm sorry. That's uh, I was going to say that because I knew he won the rookie of the year, but I don't know the names of the trophies. So I was just like, I'm going to defer. Defer, defer, defer. If you don't know, defer. Um, so he's the only player in NHL history to win those five. He's 23, right? I At the beginning of the NHL preview, I said, Lightning will play the Avs in the finals and Kale McCarr will win the Conn Smythe. If you put that... If you put pizza money on that, you're fucking welcome. It was plain as day what was going to happen. Look, no disrespect to Perry. I forget his first name. That is is a tragic stat. Three straight finals, three straight losses, Dallas Stars, Montreal Canadiens, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But Tampa, Tampa Bay is one of the greatest dynasties we've ever seen. They're second to me behind the Chicago Blackhawks. And obviously, duh. And then, uh, oh my goodness. And the Colorado Avalanche are one and a half years too late. <laughs> like I've been saying that. Had Jared Bednar not been a complete and utter fucking buffoon, the Colorado Avalanche would have got over the second round hump last year. Nazem Kadri. Get suspended. Shocker, stop me if you heard that. And Colorado loses, and they fall apart. Shout out to, to Sackick getting the job done and putting to a, get together a great team. Don't know how he had two goalies with six wins after losing Grubauer. Yeah, you, I mean, you also got to talk about Sackick's moves at the deadline, right? He brings in Strom. He brings in Cogliano. I mean, he, like the, the moves that Sackick made at the deadline, like sealed it up for this team. And the funny thing is, if, you know, we're, we'll probably find out later that, that Nikuskin, who was a forward for the abs, had some sort of injury, but he was coming for that, for the, for the Conn Smythe trophy in nah. the playoffs. Those first three games. Never a doubt. Never, never a doubt. doubt. That, hey, oh. that, that, that needs to be the hashtag for the, two, the 2022 abs playoffs. Hey, hey, congratulations. You tore it up the first three games of the Stanley Cup Finals. There were six, you fucking bum. Shout out, so, my boy. My car has a con. That is what I call him now because I fucking called it before the playoffs started. I will say this. How do you feel about Helm being on your team? I've wanted to ask this the whole time because I know you, you, we went over the – did we talk about it while we were recording or only offline? Uh, but anyways, uh, Detroit Red Wings are fucking miserable to you. So, like, what do you feel about Helm? He's a grinder, man. I, here's here's the thing, right? I I I don't like Red Wings players when they are on the Red Wings, but unless their names are like Todd Bertuzzi or like Nicholas Lindstrom or like really, actually, once you take off the Red Wings jersey and you put on an Avs jersey, 
I'm an Avs fan. You're an, you're an Avs player now. I don't hold grudges. It's like and LeBron, Darren, Darren LeBron Helm, the Lakers. Darren Helm is exactly what you need in modern hockey. You can't in modern hockey, unfortunately in modern hockey anymore, you can't have a Claude Lemieux. You can't have a you can't have a Kevin Westgarth. You can't have a guy that just goes beats the crap out of somebody, a fourth line grinder who goes and beats the crap out of somebody. Darren Helm is exactly what you need in a modern day hockey pest. He's gonna go annoy the other team, he's gonna check hard, he's gonna finish hits, and he's gonna punch a guy in the back of the head in a scrum. And that's exactly what you wanna see. From a guy, and he like it, it just always seems that, and and Nevada's probably gonna send me a text message and be angry at this. I believe Darren Helm's a third or fourth liner, but it seems whenever the Darren Helm line is on the ice, there is he is he is he is checking, he is poking at pucks, the puck doesn't leave the offensive zone, and for a 45 seconds to a minute to a minute and 15, he is an absolute pest. And when he gets the puck on his stick and he gets an opportunity to score, he scores. He does everything that you want to see in a hockey player. And, 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 and what, line one and line two are great. It's always great to have, to, to have a good to, – to have those good lines. But look at the Edmonton Oilers. They have a fantastic first line and a very good second line. If you don't have third and fourth line grinders – that make plays when they're given the opportunities, because let's be honest, the first two lines of the Colorado Avalanche and their first defensive pair of, of, of McCarr, they'll make plays. And Taves. Yeah. McCarr and Taves will make plays. What you need is you need those third and fourth liners to seize opportunities when they're given. And that's what made the Colorado Avalanche so good this year is that, when the first line struggled, when the second line struggled, Jermaine said it, two, two goals in, in you know, however many shots he had last night, 25-plus shots. The Avs' third and fourth line guys are the ones that stepped up, and they did exactly what the Tampa Bay Lightning have, do, have been doing for the last two years. They stepped up when they needed to, and they played great defense. Now, the Tampa Bay Lightning have an have a otherworldly goalie, so they don't really need good defense. But they locked down. I mean, you 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 talked about it. Oh yeah, Tampa Bay. <laughs> excuse me. Tampa Bay blew the abs out in game three. But after game three, the Lightning scored two goals in game four, three goals in game five, and then one goal in game six. The Lightning didn't – it wasn't like, yeah, the Lightning won game five, but it wasn't like they won game five on, like, an absolute, like, shooting clinic. We were we were talking in our chat that there were just slop goals in game five for all teams. It was just – it was just I, – I, Jermaine said the thing that if they were playing pool, none of the shots would have counted. Like, your, your turn's over. And it, was, exactly. it was just – it was just sloppy goals. So the and the Avs didn't score because you're not going to score on Vasilevsky. But you know what they did? They scored three. They scored two. They scored two. But their defense held the Lightning when they needed to hold the Lightning. Weather the storm. Knock in a couple goals. Get get you know the Avs team is too good not to get two goals a game on Vasilevsky. We knew that was going to happen. You just need the defense to to hold it, and they did. And it was and it was really an incredible 
that the third period of game six was one of the most, I'm really glad that it ended in game six, not because I'm a Colorado Avalanche fan, but game six was just ultimate hockey. It was, it was what you wanted out of a Stanley cup hockey game. It's arguably one of the greatest single games I've ever watched. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. So the referees kind of blew it across the board in in game six. Uh, they had, you know, they called a fair game for both sides, but they had a bad game, if that makes any sense. And that still did not take away from the quality of hockey we watched that oh, game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and here's the thing. People love scoring, myself included. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I don't like when teams <sighs> score. But it was a 2-1 hockey game, and it felt much, much bigger. One of the best things that the refs did was they kept the ice moving. And one of the most prominent and loved favorite sayings in hockey, but especially in game six, is – Everyone kept saying, tilt the ice. Every two and a half minutes in that game, the ice tilted in the favor of the other team. If you were watching this game, the ebbs and flows were absolutely fucking insane. The the Tampa Bay Lightning were putting pressure on in the third period and still managed only two shots. They were in the offensive zone. They were making passes. They were looking like they were going to get done. And then, boom, Helm makes a poke. Rantanen, who actually got better once his coach challenged him. Shout out Bednar. I guess I got to give him some more props. Bednar challenged him. And Manson, I'm sorry, Rantanen scored in every single Western Conference final for, or first four Western Conference finals games. After his coach challenged him, then he played prime time hockey. The stuff you ain't gonna see in the stat sheet. Rantanen made fucking plays. Well, you will see it in the stat sheet because he didn't score, but he had it. He had. He was almost assisting on every single one. I look up Eric. Look up how many assists he had. Rantanen, Miko Rantanen had in the had in the Stanley Cup final. He had something like eight assists. I thought. Jesus, that's insane. I, it, look, one there thing might not have been eight goals. That might have been stupid. Eight assists is a lot, but right. it, it, it's probably it's probably at least a handful. So five, maybe a little more. But and 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 at the at the end of the day, you turn to one person in hockey, and he's the dude that gets the cup. He's the dude that gets to touch the cup first. You turn to your captain in hockey, and Gabe Landeskog put on an absolute playoff clinic of how to lead your team by example. He did have eight assists. Okay. So, yeah, Miko Ratner in the Stanley Cup final, eight assists. I mean, like, he he was he was not – he was just – he was everywhere. He was dog shit uh, in the yeah. first round and the yeah. second round. Yeah. And he was a key contributor. And then Jared Bednar was just like, look, dude, we ain't going nowhere if you ain't going to do it lit up the Western Conference files, the finals. The Edmonton Oilers were like, who the fuck is this guy? He wasn't on the scouting report. He probably wasn't even on the scouting report. He was so bad in the first two rounds. And then he comes into the Stanley Cup finals and absolutely slays. 
and the 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 real difference maker, right? Like I like I was saying. So they just to clarify, we might have said twenty one earlier. It was twenty games. The Avs played twenty games. Um, Nate McKinnon had two goals in the Stanley Cup Finals on thirty five shots. He had four assists, and but in Game Six, Nate McKinnon. Your highest paid star forward was a 200-foot monster. The dude was out there banging with defenders. Him and fucking Stamkos lit each other up. Stamkos got the better of the exchange. But guess what? Nate McKinnon did not fucking care. He got up and skated into it. Right? Stamkos had the one goal for the Lightning, and Nate McKinnon was asleep at the wheel in the first period when that happened. Stamkos skated back into the ice. Nate McKinnon stood behind the net and looked like a deer in headlights, like as if the rest of his team was going to do something. The next 40 minutes of ice play, he was a 200-foot monster, blocking shots, hitting people, making the key assist on the game-winning goal for Lankinen. Nate McKinnon was doing the shit that we talk about and praise Helm for. He was doing the shit that Manson did in this series. Oh, man. I don't think Manson gets enough love when you watch this Colorado Avalanche team. Manson had himself a playoff, and nobody's going to talk about him. I turned to Eric over and over again. Eric would turn to me and talk about Helm, and I'd turn to him and talk about Manson, and then we both say, we love them both, and then we watch them both. I don't even know if they were the if they were a line pair. If they were a line pair, they need to keep them together because those two players made so many impact plays for the Colorado Avalanche. It was ridiculous. Now let's stop here and make sure we give some love to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right? Yeah. This is obviously a very pro avalanche podcast, a very anti-lightning podcast now that two teams have defeated them in the Stanley Cup finals. But there is nothing but respect for the squad. John Cooper pissed me the fuck off when he bitched about the too many men on the ice as if he was ignoring the fact that he had seven. So I don't know what the fuck that was about. Nazem Kadri skated through three of your defenders and smoked your all-world all playoff goalie and you're still mad about the dude who's fucking damn near his near uh, fucking uh, Kemper the in yeah. the net. Like, if one dude skates on the ice and there's fifth abs player near Kemper. And John Cooper's upset. I'm like, dude, you can call too many men on the ice at all fucking times. Like, right. It's like it's, holding. <laughs> I was going to about what I was about to say. It's holding. But the Colorado Avalanche, 71 playoff games in three years, two Stanley Cup finals. They were trying to be the first team to win three Stanley Cups in a row since the 80s Islanders who won four, which is a legendary fucking team. <laughs> like, it's, it's fucking an uh, all-time great fucking run. Um, I just want to stop and spotlight it. The Tampa Bay Lightning were fatigued and injured all year long. Hell, they were injured in the fucking Stanley Cup Finals. 
Braden Point played two games. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, um, but Braden Point led Tampa in scoring this season. Or in points. Maybe not goals, but I think Braden Point led <coughs> Tampa in points. And somehow, some way, this Tampa Bay Lightning team found a way to make it to the cup finals and actually make the favorites scared. Yeah. And it was, and it was best said by Mark Messier. Uh, Messier said that the Colorado avalanche learned from the Tampa Bay lightning, how to play playoff hockey as the series went on. So Point had 28 goals and 30 assists, which would put him at 58 points. I'm not sure if that led the team. I think it led the team, and he only played two two games. Like, that's how resilient this squad was. I want to sit here and make sure we spotlight the Tampa Bay Lightning. And John Cooper uh, said it best. He's like, yeah, the dynasty lost, but we're not done. And nope. you know what? And you know what? Maybe we see another Avs Lightning Cup final and and the Lightning jump up into that. uh... (laughs) Oh, shit. I wasn't even close. Stamkos had 106 (laughs) points. (laughs) Oh, damn. I forgot Victor Hedman was on that squad. I I may not like... I may not like the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I sure do fucking respect him. Yeah. It's the Anchorman quote. And uh, I think we'll wrap it up here and then uh, close this this podcast out. But I will say a few things. Uh, The refs who did the Stanley Cup finals need some training. No disrespect to you. You guys kept very entertaining ice hockey on the ice. But my goodness, there was some – there was some bad missed shit that you had. <laughs> you know, uh, Jerry Bednar came out of the after the first period early uh, to come talk to the refs for a whole minute before the second period started and was just like, look, dude, like we've had two power plays the last two games. <laughs> like, there's been more penalties than that. We've had two power plays in the last two games. Like, let's fucking wake up here. Um, so, again, shout out to Jared Bednar. I gave I look I'm this, I'll sit here and shit on people but if they prove me wrong I will happily give them their flowers and in fact I encourage it because that just makes sports that much better. Um but if you think the Lightning are done because the Avalanche have won one cup you're sorely mistaken. There's you got another thing coming. There's there's nobody on the Tampa Bay Lightning side of the bracket that I'm wildly scared of. And with that, Eric, would you like to break down the, uh, the 2023, uh, Stanley Cup odds, the Colorado Avalanche lead it. I believe they're plus 400, right? They're four to one right now. And coming in at second, You want the odds? Because we all know who it is. No, I'm just saying. No, tell me. Coming in, coming in in second is what the do you Tampa Bay Lightning. The odds. He asked you for the Look, odds. No, just look them up. You got them? Okay, guys. Yeah. That'll be it. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, so the odds be like, you want them? You want the odds? It's actually the ta- the Maple Leafs are eight to one. The Toronto Maple Leafs are your second favorite favorite team to win the Stanley Cup next year at eight to one. If you if you're betting, if whoever you use as your betting organization allows you to take the Toronto Maple Leafs not to make the playoffs, that's a better bet than this bet. <laughs> All right, keep running. Run, run us down the list, Eric. All right, so third best odds are going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning at nine to one, and then we have the Florida Panthers at ten to one, the Hurricanes at fourteen to one, the Oilers in the Wild at eighteen to one, and the Boston Bruins and Golden Knights are at twenty-two to one. That's how big the gap is between the Abs and the Lightning. I don't know what the fuck the Maple Leaves are doing up there. I, I, look, like, I don't like I this. I mean, it almost has to be like we laugh and we joke, but like Vegas knows something we don't. Yeah, they the Vegas fucking has all of everyone's naked photos, and they dictate who makes it. I guess it has. That's the only way it makes any sense. Yeah. Um, I do have a retraction. I kept saying Connor McDavid uh, had a 60-goal season. Uh, it wasn't Connor McDavid. It was Austin Matthews. <laughs> so, wait, is that that's right, right? Now I'm correct, or did I oh, just – yeah, it's Austin Matthews. For some reason, I kept saying Connor McDavid. Yeah, because um, you, you got all pissed off when he got the award, and you were like, well, David had a 60-goal season. And then we looked it up, and you're like, oh, wait. Yeah, he should have won it. I don't know what my brain did. Maybe I just adore McDavid more, which is not even true, which is ridiculous. But Which is uh, kind of ridiculous because Austin Matthews is like the great white hope for America right now. No, I know. That's what I was saying. I was just like, I don't know what my brain did. For some reason, my brain programmed me into saying Connor McDavid. Um, but yeah, I just want to make sure I get that retraction out. So Austin Matthews, arguably already the greatest uh, – you United States American hockey player ever had the 60 goal season. Connor McDavid just really fucking good at ice hockey. <laughs> and so again, I wasn't talking up Connor McDavid incorrectly. He's still very fucking good at hockey. And he is I first of all, don't let Connor McDavid have home ice. He is lethal on the road. He is unstoppable at home. Well, I think that I, I think the good thing this year was the thing was you could never trust the Oilers, right, to make to to make a playoff run. I know you got eliminated in the Western Conference Finals, but this was a playoff run. Fred, it was absolutely a playoff run. So now, I mean, if you didn't run into this Avs team, and, and I think you'll run into this Avs team again because I don't think they're getting worse. Absolutely. Like, not. like you, you, but I, I think that gives the Oilers a little bit of faith. They hung with the Avs for that series. I will say that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you lost in five games, but it was supposed to be a sweep, is what I was told. Right. <laughs> I'm always a game off. I'm always a game off. <laughs> we did say the finals would be in seven, so. Um, you know, apologies on that. But look, if you took the lightning abs prediction I had and took the Kale McCarr 
you're welcome. I paid the rest of your losses for this year. <laughs> you're fucking and as we are a gambling podcast, I do have to brag halfway through the season, took the abs to win the Stanley Cup, $100 and plus $375. It's $475 in the bank. No big deal. It would have been fire if you took Cal McCarr to win the con Smythe. Could you could you imagine Why betting? A, could you imagine betting a con Smythe in the middle of the season? <laughs> like would, what? Yeah, that would be pretty funny. What odds are you getting if you're betting a con? You know what you'd have to hit to like I wouldn't couldn't even imagine. All right, so. Eric's, uh, we'll read off Eric's uh, research before we uh, wrap this off. Uh, Andre, Andre Berkovsky, unrestricted free agent. Nazem Kadri, unrestricted free agent. Valeri Nikushkin, unrestricted free agent. <coughs> all right, all right. Valeri Nikushkin's an unrestricted free agent. Arturi Lekkinen's a restricted free agent. Uh, Nicholas Obe Kubel is a restricted free agent. Darren Holm is unrestricted. Nico Strom is unrestricted. Cagliano will probably retire. Eric Johnson will probably retire. Josh Manson is an unrestricted free agent. Jack Johnson is an unrestricted free agent. And Darcy Kemper is an unrestricted free agent. That's the problem, is that the Avs have a lot of unrestricted free agents. They have a lot of guys that could walk. The problem is, now, now, you, now, you, now you ask this question before we get out of the podcast. One thing that the Blackhawks were able to do during that run and we talked about this. Hockey players are way easier to convince to take a hometown discount because they believe in the team. Right? Can you get Burkowski back? Can you get – Can you get? I mean, Nikushkin is coming back. Right? Lekkanen is probably coming back. Burkowski is probably coming back. Kadri is coming back. And with all these unrestricted free agents, they have a lot of money available. So – they can go out and sign guys like I know they've talked about signing guys like Claude Giroux. They were very interested in Claude Giroux at the trade deadline. And they have been for the last two years. Philippe Forsberg is another name. Uh, Pollitt or Pollock, the guy in Tampa Bay who was an, almost an abs killer, who killed the who scored. I mean, was a clutch performer throughout the playoffs. And then Johnny Goudreau, our guys they've been talked about through free agency. I mean, like. 44 million in cap space, Eric just looked up. That's a lot of money in the NHL. And that's a lot of money for a guy like Joe Sackick, who crushes it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, dude, first of all, um, shout out Palat. I watch a lot of Lightning Hockey this year. Um, obviously, they're great team to watch uh except for their shit ice at their home 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 stadium but Palat is fourth already um in points in sorry in Stanley in sorry in playoff points Palat is fourth on the list um for most by a seventh rounder which is fucking insane <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, the abs are equipped to get better. And then it just depends on Sackick. Sackick, his, his make or break as a general manager is going to be this offseason. Like, hey, it, plenty of teams have won one, but can you keep a solid team together to win two? 
And if you can't, then, you know, that's what separates great GMs from bad GMs. Or, you know, not not necessarily bad GMs, but just just good. Just good GMs. Sackage got the job done, but can can he follow up and really deliver, you know, what we're looking for? Uh, and what, what, and that's an Avs dynasty. Maybe I'm not looking for that because I still want the Blackhawks to win it. But, you know, if the Blackhawks don't win, then the Avs dynasty. And if the Avs don't win, then the Flyers. But the Flyers need some love. <laughs> well, they had like the fourth best, the fourth worst odds to win it next year. So <laughs> that's why I said they need some. I was like, look, the Blackhawks were terrible this year, but they still had Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tays, and you, you you can get a few pieces in there that that could be a team. Um, I don't think Nick has anything else. I don't think Eric has anything else. So follow us on Instagram at Twitter at Podcast Room Three Zero Three. And we'll see you next time when you come on down and step into the room.